Hello, everybody, and welcome to another great episode of the Battlefield Podcast. This is episode 13. What does the Bible say about speaking in tongues? Stay tuned. It's red. Welcome to podcast number 13. We're glad you're you're here. I'm here with my brothers Chris and Rick and uh, we are on the battlefield again. Uh, we call this the battlefield because uh, the battlefield is crazy and chaotic and uh, what's at stake is your very life. And so uh, we're on the battlefield today together. We're all in this together, yes. and uh, we like to think that the best way out of the bi- battlefield is a strong and vital relationship with each other and with Christ. So uh, the question on the floor today is, what does the Bible say about speaking in tongues? And um, I kind of want to set the stage by, I don't want this to come across as an I'm right and you're yes. wrong pad. Podcast. Um, if you, <laughs> yes. I don't want to come across in, in any way saying that God does do this or God does not do this. I can't put God in a box, mm-hmm. um, and I also don't want to come across as as uh, as uh, you know attacking somebody that that made. I, I don't want to cast shade on some. If this is a major part of your life yeah. and you're walking Christ. I don't want to be the one to to mess you up, but I do want to um, offer truth, mm-hmm. uh, especially from the Word of God. So that's kind of my take on where we're going today. I, I totally agree. You know, this was a, a very important uh, topic to me because me and my wife were part of a conference. It was a 12-week conference in the last, um, the last uh, I guess, meeting of the conference. We had this long prayer, um, this long prayer, and the, the the presenters were telling us that, you know, we're going to pray, like literally, we're going to pray until we're all speaking in tongues, until you let the Holy Spirit come into you and kind of take over and speaking in tongues, and, and I'm going I'm to be 100% honest, I never did it. There was a lot of people around us, loads of people around us speaking in tongues. My wife never did it, and I was thinking too I even went to the point to think okay I'm looking at them and I'm doubting them kind of like are they really speaking in tongues and was that blocking me from speaking in tongues because you know in order for God you know God is like at the door knocking you have to let him in and so I was thinking maybe I'm blocked and so I was trying to fight fight. okay don't worry about them just focus on you and your wife you know what I'm saying and it yeah, it right. never happened, man. Yeah. And I did feel um, yeah. now they didn't quite make us feel like, hey, if you didn't, you're not speaking in it. But it was implied that we should all be in here yeah. until we speak in tongues. And and uh, that kind of changed my my way of thinking a, around, um, you know, what what is tongues like? You know right. what I'm saying? I've never experienced like that. <clears throat> I've heard other people doing it, but I've never experienced to where I was supposed to. Yeah. Do it. You know? I, I want to come right out of the gate and say that I have no experience with it. I've never felt the compulsion to do it or mm-hmm. the need to do it. I've never been in a service where it's going on. 
Uh, and so I don't really have a whole lot of integrity where this is concerned, other than uh, as a senior pastor, my only experience with it was uh, one uh, service. At the end of the service, we were having an altar call where people are invited to come and just pray if they need to. And there was a young uh, woman, probably 19 or 20, came to the altar and was just sobbing. I mean, with shoulders heaving up and down, just sobbing. So I went down to pray with her and I asked, how can I help you pray? And she said, well, you can't. And I said, well, what do you mean I can't? She said, well, I'm forsaken. And I said, well, you're going to have to tell me a little more about that. I don't know what that means. And she said, well, I came from a church where um, at an altar call like this, a bunch of guys came around me and they wanted me to talk and uh, speak in tongues. And they said that uh, if I'd speak in tongues that I'd be saved and the Holy Spirit would be with me mm. and, and uh, everybody else was doing it. And she said, I didn't want to lie uh, and I didn't want to pretend and I couldn't do it. And uh, they finally gave up and said that, uh, you know, I was forsaken oh, or maybe oh I, and, yeah. and so uh, that she would have to try harder and it just destroyed her. Yeah. She thought that God had forsaken her right. because she couldn't do that. And it took her, to be honest, it took her several weeks to kind of get over that, showing her truth in scripture that yeah. indeed she was not forsaken. And so that's my really only experience with it and kind of my only beef with it. If that young lady thought God did not love her or mm -hmm. want her simply because she would not lie yeah. about it. So, yeah, I think that uh, when, when you talk about speaking in tongues, there seems to be this uh, vast uh, uh, two extremes. Uh, you have on one side uh, people that are cessationalists, just means that they believe all gifts have especially charismatic or charismatic gifts have ceased. Um, and they get that from uh, 1 Corinthians 13 where it tells us some gifts will cease, but it doesn't tell us when. Mm. Um, and then you have others that say that speaking in tongues ought to be a regulated practice where it's just it's supposed to be part of every aspect of a church service. Um, scripture, you know, uh, shares something that's, that's, I'd say, somewhere in between that. Um, but we have to ask, you know, a few questions. Most of the time people connect, uh, especially in more charismatic uh, settings and denominations, connect uh, speaking in tongues as a demonstration of baptism of the Holy Spirit. And they believe that a person can be baptized in the Spirit multiple times throughout their life. <clears throat> However, uh, Scripture, when you look at that word baptism, when it's used in reference to the Holy Spirit, it's in what's called the aorist tense. Um, the aorist tense is also called a point tense. Um, this particular uh, tense of the word tells us something about it. Just like we use, uh, I'm, I'm going to go to the store or I went to the store. Well, that tells us something about, you know, uh, what we're saying about when something happened. So the aorist tense of the word baptism or the phrase um, baptism of the Holy Spirit, the word baptizo there, it's in the uh, aorist tense which means it's something that happens at one point in time. Mm. And it doesn't get repeated. It happened at one point in time. So, so on that side of it, there's not a re-baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, baptism of the Spirit is when we are brought into union with Christ. We are baptized into his family. So that happens at one point, at the moment of salvation. However, Scripture does talk about being repeatedly filled mm -hmm. with the Spirit. So like in uh, Ephesians 5, 
where it tells us to not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit, that uh, verb, be filled, is used in the present tense, which is this idea of a continuous action. So we're to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, but when it comes to speaking in tongues, you've got people that say that it's, uh, some people say it's of, of the devil, right? Oh, wow. And then you have some people that say that it's a sign that you're a true believer, mm -hmm. that every person is speaking tongues. Um, I, I think both of those are, are wrong. I think God is extremely practical. Uh, there are things that he gave us uh, to look at. And so I, I brought scripture because we needed to really dig into a yeah, little bit of that today. So, so first and foremost, there's, there's really, uh, really only four chapters in, uh, well, four books of the Bible that deal with spiritual gifts. Mm -hmm. All right, so, so we have uh, Romans 12, you have 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, Ephesians 4, and then you have uh, a couple of verses in 1 Peter 4. Um, in 1 Corinthians 12, it's telling us about that uh, each person... Uh, when they're saved, they, they get a different gift, but it's the same spirit that gives the gift. And it goes down through and, and tells us that uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 7, a manifest, manifestation of the spirit is given to each person to produce what is beneficial. And it goes down through there and says, uh, to one is given the message of wisdom through the spirit, then knowledge, and then faith, and the gifts of healing, and performing miracles, prophecy, distinguishing between spirits or discernment. And then in my particular translation, it doesn't say tongues. And the reason why it says languages, speaking in different kinds of languages and interpreting different types of languages. The reason why is the Greek word is glossa, which is the, uh, means a known language. All right, so it's, that's the way it's used uh, throughout. So when you see in the book of Acts, uh, there's 17 instances of individuals or groups of people getting saved, coming to faith in Christ. There's only three, actually three instances of people speaking in tongues, and then there's a possible fourth one. Uh, but three instances. One is at, in Acts 2. Mm -hmm. That's um, at Pentecost. And what it tells us there is that the, uh, the disciples, as they're praying, you know, it says there's a rushing wind comes in. There's these... Uh, uh, fire that looks like split tongues that comes down and then they start speaking in languages speaking in tongues but what it tells us is that the people that were there that were different language groups from different they say we're hearing the gospel in our own language right um, in the instance of Cornelius in Acts 10 same thing happens he gets saved and he's a Gentile so you have two extremes the gospel going to the Holy Spirit going to um, the Jews at Pentecost, and then you have at Cornelius the Holy Spirit going to the Gentiles. Uh, the third instance is in Acts 19, I believe it is, where uh, the disciples of John received the Holy Spirit, and they were kind of like this uh, group that was somewhat in between Judaism, but not all the way to Christianity yet, mm -hmm. like they were. Um, and so you have that. So uh, yeah, so it doesn't look like from the book of Acts that it's a regulative practice that happens every time a person gets saved, right? Or at least it wasn't important enough to record every time if it happened, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so I don't know what what have you guys uh, like heard or seen about like the when somebody talks about speaking in tongues? Like, what are the extremes that you guys have seen before we dig into the other parts? Just a lot of people doing it at the same time. Yeah, and even in any instance, 
even when we're little kids, we're taught don't talk at the same time. So <laughs> if you see, I see a lot of people talking at the same time. I just start to think, just from a practical standpoint, uh, are they just doing it because th this person doing because this person started? Is it just a group thing? Mm -hmm. You know, are y'all just feeling the energy? Or are y'all really all individually talking to God? You know, you just start having a just right. practical questions about okay, I'm not doing that. And I don't know if I should be doing that, but I know all y'all are doing it, so it kind of makes me feel yeah. kind of like a, a outsider when mm -hmm. it was doing, you know. And again, I, I'm going, uh, you know, secondhand knowledge here. People I've talked to, and then talking to you, um, almost without uh, exception, everybody says the first time I experienced it, it was very off-putting. It doesn't yeah. draw me in to want to know more. It's kind of off-putting and sort of intimidating and yeah, sort of confusing, yeah. and it doesn't it doesn't draw me into a worship experience or mm -hmm. um, you know. So it's very you know. Some people were like scared, and I I don't want to go back. I don't I don't want to <laughs> yeah, experience yeah. that anymore. I don't know. I don't know mm -hmm. what to do. Or no, yeah, like I would actually say that I didn't even think about it like that. Now that you think about it, let's say the the scripture, the word was given really good, mm -hmm. and you're mm -hmm. feeling this, you're feeling it, and then you're like, okay, you know, everybody's, and then you hear that, now it's like the tension went away from what was pre and preached or whatever, to now focus on is this what is you know yeah. is this real or right. you know now I kind of forgot about the word I just so mm -hmm. wow that's that's well, actually interesting you know to be to be fair um, a lot of times when people go to church or a different church they feel that same sort of thing because it's awkward going to church for the first yeah. time but that's conviction uh -huh. that's like oh man you know <laughs> I don't know these people but that's a different thing that I'm talking about yeah you know, so, well, that's yeah, what I'm yeah. saying this the the church I'm talking about, I've been to a lot. Right. So it's right. just like now, it's just like I'm focused on that. And I, what was the word about? What was, you know what I'm saying? So that's interesting you, you, you put it like that. I, I didn't even, I had to go back and kind of think about that. Yeah, and there's, there's uh, so on the issue of like people speaking all tongues all at one time, uh, it, it's answered directly in Scripture uh, in 1 Corinthians uh, 14. Um so what it says in 1 Corinthians 14, uh, beginning in verse 26, but um, I'll go down to where the reference is. So verse 27, it says, If any person speaks in another language or in tongues, there should be only two or at most three total mm. in the service. Then each in turn and someone must interpret. But if there is no interpreter, that person should keep silent. <laughs> And speak to himself and to God. Mm. So the context of people just everybody speaking in tongues seems to be foreign to to Scripture. It's outside the order that Paul uh, talks about here. Um, he he repeats that same thing in talking about uh, prophecy and, and and foretelling the truth of God. Um, and so you, you have that aspect of it. You have the aspect of do all Christians, are, are they all Christians supposed to yes. speak in tongues? Yeah, um, so in 1 Corinthians 12, the big uh, point that Paul's making is that we are, we are all different intentionally. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that that's even demonstrated by the fact that we, are, we have the, the same mission, but we're given different ministries. We have the same spirit, but we're given different gifts. And he gets down to a part where he says, 
uh, in verse 27 of 1 Corinthians 12, he says, Now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it, and God has placed these in the church. So he goes there and lists some, of the, some gifts and some other things and offices. He has the first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, next miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, managing, and various kinds of languages or tongues. Okay. Then he asks this question. Are all, are all Christians, are all apostles, are all people prophets, are all teachers, do all do miracles, do all have gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues or languages, and do all interpret? And the, the, uh, the, this series of rhetorical questions, it is that no, we're not all that, mm -hmm. because he's made the case that a body, you know, you have your hands, your eyes, your ears. You know, we all have these different purposes to serve. In the same way, the Holy Spirit doesn't give us all the same gifts. Mm -hmm. Now, we all do have the same fruit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, you know, the list that, but we don't all have the same gifts. He's intentionally gifted us differently, right? Um, and, and so I've literally sat down and had this conversation with folks that were in more uh, charismatic traditions that spoke in tongues regularly who had never read this verse. Wow. Yeah, that's what I was saying. I've, I had never heard of that, you know. Yeah. And at least when you're going to do it in a setting like that, you should lay the groundwork. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's exactly what Paul does. But then what's really interesting is after he lists all of these things, Paul says, but desire the greater gifts, and I will show you an even better way. And then he says, okay, then the question is, okay, what's greater? In the very next chapter, very next verse. That's the reason we always want to study things yeah. in context. Yes. We want to study not just a, a verse out of a chapter. We want to study the whole chapter. And we don't just want to study one chapter. We want to study the chapter before and after. Mm -hmm. yeah. But not just the chapters before and after. We want to study that whole book. And not just that book. We want to then study uh, the New Testament or the Old Testament. And then not just the Testament. We want to see how it fits in the overall story, right? Um, so what he says here, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, If I speak in tongues or languages of men and of angels, but I do not have love. I am nothing more than a sounding gong or a clanging cymbal. He says, I'm just making noise. Making some noise. Just making noise. And oh, so man. He, he goes down through and he talks about different things. And this is where cessationalists get uh, uh, the idea that tongues, uh, they, they believe it ceased. Is it in verse 8 of 1 Corinthians 13? He says, love never ends, but as for prophecy, they will come to an end. As for languages or tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will come to an end. Right? And then he ends the chapter with these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Right? Yeah. Um, so based upon that, we know that it's, it's not supposed to be for every Christian. Mm -hmm. right? um, because not all are gifted the same. Mm -hmm. Just like we don't come into church and say, okay, everybody here is going to speak today at the service. Mm -hmm. Everybody here is the pastor. Mm -hmm. Now, everybody there is a minister, but not everybody there has the stage or the platform that day, mm -hmm. right? Same thing. You know, not everybody here is the treasurer of the church. Not everybody here is, you know, things like that. Um, and so we know it's not for, not every person is supposed to speak in tongues. We've got that proof from, from Acts where there's 17 instances of salvations happening and only three instances of speaking in tongues. Um, we, we see it here, but then we run into some, some other stuff. 
-hmm. He goes on in 1 Corinthians 14, and he actually says that between prophecy and speaking in tongues, prophecy is the greater gift. So he kind of picks up. He's like he does a little, little side note here about love, and then he jumps back over after he says, I'll show you the greater gifts. Well, then what he says in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 14, pursue love, that's what he just talked about, and desire spiritual gifts, what he's talked about before that, but above all that you may prophesy. For the person who speaks in another language or in tongues is not speaking to men but to God, since no one understands him. However, he speaks mysteries in the spirit. But the person who prophesies speaks to people for edification, encouragement, and consolation. The person who speaks in another language or in tongues builds himself up, but he who prophesies builds up the church. And Paul says this. He says, I wish that you all spoke in other languages, but even more that you prophesy. The person who prophesies is greater than the person who speaks in languages or tongues, unless he interprets so that the church may be built up. And also, if I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong, but Corinthian, that's where he's writing, mm -hmm. that Corinth was a hub of many different nationalities. Absolutely. Yeah. And so when they had this church, of course, they structured it the way the Jewish synagogue was. So they had the men sitting on one side, separate from the women. Mm -hmm. And they were all from, not all, but from many different places. So while the service is going on, or while somebody is, is speaking or reading scripture, they're hollering questions back and forth yeah, yeah. in languages like, what's that mean? What's he saying? What's going on? What did that mean? Mm -hmm. And it was very chaotic. Mm -hmm. yeah. And yeah. nobody was in control of it. Yeah. And so it, it's it, it, the gift was somebody who could stand up, oh, they're speaking in Ethiopian. And what they mean, it, you know, right. the question is, and so put bringing order to it. Yeah, yeah. And that's exactly what he says in, in 1 Corinthians 14, 25. He says that... Uh, Everything must be done uh, decently and in order. And he said uh, in verse 32, And the prophet's spirits are under the control of his prophet, since God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. Mm -hmm. And he even talks about that settings where there are people who are all speaking in tongues. He says what will happen is an unbeliever would come in and, and think yeah. you're crazy. Yeah. Right? And so, uh -huh. so um yeah, one of the things is, yeah, there's an order at which it's supposed to be done. And so I think we have to answer a question of, okay, who who activates a gift of the Holy Spirit? Is it by our will that we activate a gift and decide when it's exercised? Or is it something else? What do you guys think? Oh, Holy Spirit. I mean, it's the Holy Spirit, that's right? That's a spiritual thing. Yeah. It's like I said, it's like, are y'all pretending? Right. And most of the time when we don't understand stuff, we instantly go to discredit it mm -hmm. but that's a spiritual thing so that's why i said i was in this battle i didn't want to discredit it because they could have the holy spirit that's beyond me mm -hmm. I, you know so but i just wasn't doing it so and i i am very uncomfortable with and i see this in a lot of services and not just charismatic services but people who uh, are trying to invoke the holy spirit yes. holy spirit come. yes yeah holy spirit do this like the bible is very against spirit worship and the spirit is everywhere right. and uh he is in us as believers so we don't have to invoke him or try to get him to come he's right. here mm -hmm. it's yeah. whether we are tuned into him or not and so you know that's a very gray area for me where yeah well you're trying to invoke the spirit to bring something that yeah. you need which 
Yeah, well, and they're, and they're praying like the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. Right, yes. When, the, yeah. when you, had, you had Elijah versus the prophets of Baal, and they were trying to get their God's attention, mm -hmm. and they were jumping and hooping and hollering yes. and doing all this stuff. It's very similar. Yes. Very similar, and so much so that Elijah, Elijah sits back and he goes, Hey, maybe your God's asleep. <laughs> hey, maybe your God went yeah. to the bathroom. Maybe he, he's got the door closed to the bathroom. Maybe you need to be a little louder. Some people treat God like that, yeah. as if God's evading them, mm -hmm. and they've got to entice him in. Yeah. Uh, but that's, yeah, it's not what Scripture says. Scripture says where two or three of my children are together, I'm there with yeah. them. That's a promise, yeah. right? Um, yeah, there's so much here that um, there are some, some caveats, uh, because the other thing I would, I would ask is, so, okay, what's act, uh, who activates, all right? Um, could there be potentially people who exercise or appear to exercise this gift that have a different motive? Can it be faked? Oh, yes. Can can speaking in tongues be faked? Sure, I can say rama lama shamalama ding dong, you yeah. know, and shimbo yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, yeah. Then, and it's yeah. always interesting. Why do <laughs> the ones that I've heard speak in tongues? Um, why why is the language always got a rat a ta ta? Hey, <laughs> hey, that's it, it, like a little machine gun. Shabba la ta ta ta, shabba la ta ta, shabba ta ta ta. I'm like, man, we're on a battlefield now for real. <laughs> Somebody's playing Call of Duty in the background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't ever, and it doesn't seem to be the formation. Right, now we're not very. Good. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. No, you no. That is. That is exactly right, and you know, as I said, it's a group thing between. I was like, shoot, okay, they yeah, do yeah. it like this. Let me let me do it like this. Like right. it's not even different. You're man, you're, yeah. <laughs> you're right. They're not even doing it differently. No, all of them are doing it the same. That's that's interesting that you said it like that. Yeah. So, oh, but man. but the other the other thing. Now I will say this. All right. So so I believe there is some mystery within here. There's some things that clearly God has answered in Scripture for us about this. But there is the, the issue here where he says that when somebody speaks to speaks uh, that there appears to be a time where you're speaking to God, not to men. Yes. Okay? Yes. And then he uh -huh. says, um, let me see if I can find it. Uh, but what he does tell us that when we're speaking publicly, so that that language of where we're speaking to God, um, that that appears to be done in a private setting, not mm -hmm. in a public setting, right? Uh, but when he does say um, let me go down here. He says, First uh, Corinthians fourteen six. He says, "But now, brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I speak with yes. to you with uh, revelation or understanding or knowledge or prophecy or teaching?" He says, "Even inanimate objects produce sounds like a flute or a harp, and if they don't make distinctions in the notes, how will what is played?" be recognized. In fact, if a trumpet makes an unclear sound, who will prepare for battle? In the same way, unless you use your tongue for intelligible speech, how would what is spoken be known? For you will be speaking into the air. There are doubtless many different kinds of languages in the world, and all have meaning. Therefore, if we do not know the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker a foreigner to me. So also you, since you are zealous in the matters of the Spirit, seek to excel in building up the church. And he says, which one builds up the church more? Prophesying. Yeah. Right? Um, so he says this. So therefore, a person who speaks in another language or tongues should pray that he can interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is, is unfruitful. So there is, 
right here where he's saying sometimes, of course, the person speaking in tongues doesn't know what they're saying, yes. right? Um, what then? I will pray with the Spirit, and I also will pray with my understanding. I will sing with the Spirit, and I also will sing with my understanding. Otherwise, if you bless with the Spirit, how will the uninformed person say amen at your giving of things? Since he does not know what you're saying. For you may very well be giving things, but the other person is not being built up. I thank God that I speak in other languages more than any, all of you. Yet in the church, I would rather speak five words with my understanding in order to teach others also than 10,000 words in tongues. That's about as practical as it gets yeah, right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, I think <laughs> the big question is, is, okay, so who activates it? What's the motive? I, I would say, now, what's the purpose of tongues? So if there is, and, and I'm going to concede, I'm going to say it, that there could be a a, a private prayer language. I'm, I'm going to concede yeah, that there's yeah. there seems to be, but that should be private because mm -hmm. he says that's between you and God when you're praying. But sometimes, and he, and he states it elsewhere, like in Romans 8, I think it is, where he says that um, sometimes sometimes we don't even know what to pray, but the Holy Spirit yes. prays on our behalf yeah, yeah, with yeah. groans. Mm -hmm. But it says the Holy Spirit is groaning, but through those groans, he's able to communicate. Mm -hmm. um, so the question I would say is what's the purpose? What's the purpose? Um, what do you guys think? What, what would be the purpose? Is it supposed to be? Because some say the purpose of speaking in tongues is supposed to be a sign of true salvation. But then if that's the case, that means every person that's saved needs to speak in tongues. But scripture has already said not all people who speak in tongues or, or are saved will speak in tongues. Uh, but what would be the purpose? Wow, I've never thought about that. Uh, I guess... I've never thought about what the purpose would be if people were speaking in tongues other than to show how godly they are, like their oh, connection yeah, with yeah, yeah. God. Building themselves yeah, up. Yeah. Okay, there you go. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they're building the themselves up. Yeah. But, but in this case, building themselves up isn't a good thing. No, And, no, and actually, no, no, most no. of the time in Scripture, building yourself up yeah. only leads to pride. Knowledge yes. puffs, puffs up, right? Uh, so God is, it says God's a God of order. God's, God's extremely practical. Yes, yes. And there's there's so many things. So so I want to share with you what uh, – oh, well, I, I, know, I didn't give you a chance to answer. What, what do you think? No, I, I, I think you're right. I think yeah. it's, oh, I've attained the next level. Yeah. I'm, I'm now blessed. <laughs> I'm uh, now better than I was. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, yeah. What, what, if, what if I told you that speaking in tongues, I believe as far as it's done in a public setting, um, is, is actually an extremely practical way to share the gospel? Across language, language, barriers. yes. There's a purpose. There's yeah. a purpose beyond yes. me. Yes, yes. yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. So, yeah. so, so, what we see is again in First Corinthians 14, he says this. Um, so after he says, "I'd rather speak five words with understanding yeah, rather than ten thousand in tongues," he says, "Brothers, don't be childish in your thinking, but be infants in evil and adults in your thinking. For it is written in the law." By people of other tongues and by the lips of foreigners, I will speak to this people, and even then they will not listen to me. Mm. All right, so that's a direct quote from Isaiah 28, 11, and 12. All right, and so then he follows up and he goes, It follows that speaking in tongues is intended as a sign not to believers, but to unbelievers. But prophecy is not for unbelievers, but is for believers. All right, it says, therefore, if the whole church assembles together and everybody is speaking in tongues and people who are uninformed or unbelievers come in, will they not say that you are out of your minds? 
But if all are prophesying, some unbeliever or uninformed person comes in, he is convicted by all and judged by all. The secrets of his heart will be revealed, and as a result, he will fall down on his face and worship God, proclaiming God is really among you. Right? And, and so, so this particular uh, reference here to Isaiah 28, 11, and 12, he says that speaking in tongues is a sign to the unbeliever. Specifically, it's a sign to the unbelieving Jew. Mm. So, so take Acts, the, the instances of Acts. You have speaking in tongues as the gospel went to the Jewish people, spread to all the Jewish people. Then you had uh, speaking tongues as, as a Gentile got saved. If speaking in tongues is a sign of, uh, it says that he would speak to them uh, through the lips of other lang or lips of foreigners in other language, and he says, even then they will not listen to me. It's the same thing as kind of all the other miracles that pointed to Jesus truly being the Messiah, that the Jews knew the Messiah would do all these things, but they chose to ignore it because they didn't want yeah. to trust Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so I believe, because here's, here's something that's going to balance this just a little bit, in 1 Corinthians 14, 39, it says, Therefore, my brothers, be eager to prophesy and do not forget, uh, forbid speaking in other languages. Mm -hmm. Right? So he says, do not forbid speaking in other languages. Um, uh, and so what I've seen and heard, uh, I've never personally experienced it. I have had two instances where I've had people pray over me for me to speak in tongues. Uh -huh. And they had told, told me, that God had revealed to them that that day I was going to speak in tongues. So they prophesied that I will speak in tongues. They try to, in this case, prophesy, I mean, you know, tell in the future. Um, they say they have a direct word from God, a direct revelation from God that I was going to speak in tongues that day. Uh, then they pray over me. Ironically enough, they didn't pray in tongues. Uh, but they pray over me, uh, and then I didn't speak in tongues. And I was open to it. I was praying, God, if this is real, I want to I want to experience this, and I want to, and I didn't speak in tongues. And then what happened on both occasions? They say, Oh, you don't have enough faith. You oh, don't wow. know how to receive this gift. Condemn you. Huh? Yeah, I think yeah. that was the message that girl I prayed with. Yeah, heard the same thing. Like, oh, I, I guess I can't, I can't get there. I'm right. Just like, yeah, yeah. Man, that's bold. That's so bold, bold to condemn bold. people, especially you're trying to do it in the. The name of right. God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and so, uh, boy, that's 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 that's. But here's, here's the other thing. So, based upon that understanding of speaking in tongues, if you are in a monolithic language group, mm -hmm. such as like our church, where we all speak English, you know, in our regular English speaking service, there's no purpose in tongues. Mm -hmm. So, if tongues is meant to preach the gospel across a language barrier and you all speak the same language then there's no purpose mm. right um, however I do know uh, missionaries who have been on the mission mm -hmm. field that only speak English who uh, one particular instance uh, was a guy that was in a third world country in a very remote village um, he did not speak the language he only spoke English so he had a translator and um, as they were doing the work, the ministry work and stuff, one day the translator was sick and he couldn't come help. So the missionary, he says, well, I'm just going to go into town and see if I can interact with people. Maybe I'll find somebody that can speak English. So he goes into town. 
Um, he's praying about where to go. There was this little shop. So he goes in, and to his amazement, the, the shop owner spoke English. And is amazing. So he shares the gospel with the guy. The guy ends up accepting Christ. And so he goes back to where he was staying. The next day, the translator comes back, and he tells the translator, he said, man, it's amazing. I found the only guy in this whole village that's, that speaks English. And he says, let me take you to him. So he tells him, you know, you got saved, all this. So they go, they go to that shop, and the translator starts talking to the guy at the shop, and he's using their language. And he said, the shop owner said, it's amazing that the only white guy he's ever met in his life spoke his native language. Mm -hmm. And so what was happening was this man thought he was speaking English. This man spot, thought he was speaking, mm -hmm. speaking his language, but they were communicating supernaturally yeah. to where they understood each other. And this man gets saved. And that doesn't happen through natural means of, of that crossing the, you know, the, yeah. the language barrier. Mm -hmm. So I think it, I think in public settings, I think there's an incredibly practical purpose for speaking in tongues. It's where we can supernaturally uh, share the gospel across a language barrier. Mm -hmm. You know, where sure. we haven't naturally learned that language or, or whatever. And it is about the gospel. It's about it the gospel. About, it's always yeah. about the gospel. And it's about glorifying Christ. It's about edifying the church. It's about mm -hmm. all of those things. It's never about look how spiritual I am. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. And so so I think that the purpose is that. It's that, that incredibly practical way of the gospel crossing a language barrier. Now, about the praying in the Spirit and stuff like that, I, I think I've seen lots of arguments, but I would say that, again, that's a private setting. Yeah. And I know Max Lucado recently has said that that's become a, a regular practice for his private prayer time mm -hmm. as he prays in tongues, mm -hmm. you know. But, but that's a private setting. Mm -hmm. That's not a public setting. So, but we do not forbid speaking in tongues, as he said here. But yeah. if they are practiced, they should be practiced according to the order that Scripture says, mm -hmm. two or three at most. Mm -hmm. And each in order. So the idea of everybody speaking in tongues at once uh, isn't... Uh, isn't. Yeah, I, I know in my own personal prayer time, there are times when my heart takes over. And uh -huh. I only really know how... That's the only way I really know how to explain it. Yeah, I don't even think that I'm uttering it, anything. But it's yeah. not at that point about talking. It's just kind of my heart takes over. And, and I'm just, you know, praying. Um, yeah. So I, I, again, I can't say what God will and won't do right. in yeah. each person's life, uh, but I, I do know that I um, don't need another tongue to get closer to the Lord. I, I don't right. need that. Um, maybe some people do. I don't know. Um, but uh, I, I really appreciate, man. That's uh, I've learned a lot. Yeah, I know. Uh, Me too. And, and I do. I, I want to go back and sort yeah. of nail those scriptures in my own down my own self because the, that's that's handy because I yeah. have a feeling there's a lot of people out there who are really oh, confused man. by that yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah you know especially in our southern churches mm -hmm. yeah they do that yeah. they do that a lot like I said I grew up like that so I've seen it so many times mm -hmm. you just yeah. think it's you just think that's a part of the service you know yeah, what I mean yeah, yeah. So, well and and here's one something I heard a long time ago and it stuck with me it says if you serve a God and a Holy Spirit that makes you jump up and down in the aisles, run around and speak in other tongues, but you walk out of that church and you can immediately sin without conviction, <laughs> you are not encountering the Holy Spirit. Yeah. 
Because what the Holy Spirit does, according to John, was it chapter 14 or 16, mm -hmm. that he says the Holy Spirit convicts us mm -hmm. of our sin. So, so the Holy Spirit is, so you can't be filled with the Spirit yeah, and sin still reside and it be okay. Not, and especially not super easy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so yeah. You're, you're exactly right. Uh, man, this is, man, we're going to put those scriptures. That was excellent, though, because yeah. the way people <laughs> speak in tongues, you would never think it was that practical. It was that was laid out. It's laid out, and then it's, then it's been there never, for over two thousand years. Yeah. You would never think it was that laid out. That I mean, that's instructions mm -hmm. on yeah. what you. And I've never ever experienced yeah. that, or even thought about the purpose. Like the other than yeah. that, they're just feeling it, you know. Yeah, yeah. But it, it's it's God doesn't work like that. He always yeah. wants to push us forward. And it, it, and uh, for a purpose, That's right. there's yes. no gray area. Yes. He doesn't yes. just stop you and say, "Hey, just do this." Yeah. yeah. No, there's a reason, there's even a if reason. you don't understand it. And then even speaking in tongues, there has to be something from a spiritual standpoint that is bigger beyond my understanding. Right. So you're right. We don't need to forsake it. Yeah. Because yeah. there's a yes. you know God does stuff we don't understand, mm -hmm. but. Um, he has a purpose, man. That that that. I mean, I've really learned a lot. This is this and, been and great. Here's what here's what I want to leave you with. This is my conviction, and this is my understanding, which is not the in all and end of all. But my, my conviction is that the Lord is trying to reveal Himself to us mm -hmm. every second of every day. Yeah. He loves us. He wants to be with us, and He's trying to reveal Himself to us mm -hmm. every second of every day. Why would he do that in such a manner that we can't understand? That's true. That's right. The Lord deals with us in messages that we can un understand. And in fact, he wants us to understand. Now, it may be, be above us, which would cause mm -hmm. us to go study more, yeah. or find out more, or ask questions. But it's not going to be gibberish that we don't understand. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I want you to believe that the Lord wants to get to know you and he wants to deal with you in a very understanding way. He's trying to reveal himself to you. It's we who are the block. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, absolutely. And what I want to leave, I got convicted today because I talked about that situation, but I guess because I trusted the leaders and I trusted mm -hmm. yeah. who was there, yes. we didn't go and study that. Right. I didn't go and study right. to see if what we were doing. We just were okay with, we can't talk in tongues and something was wrong with us. Versus, hey, those are humans. They make mistakes. Chris, you and Maria, go study. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I should have done. That's what we should have done, and that's what we're going to do from now on. Instead of just, you know, just blindly having faith in people, you're supposed to trust people and have faith in God. Mm -hmm. So uh, I, if y'all are questioning, then go study it and yes. look it up. And yeah. that's what I'm going to do from yeah. now on because I, I really feel I should have did that. So. Yeah. And there's a really great resource because a lot of people don't know where to go yeah, that's true for, for finding some of those answers. So there's a really great uh, resource that answers questions called gotquestions.org, G-O-T, questions.org. Um, and, it, and it just type in your question. They'll show you, you know, lots of things. And they're really solid. I, I think I mean, almost everything I've read I haven't disagreed with. I've, and I went and I checked some of their stuff. Um, but yeah, we, we should be like the Bereans. The Bereans, yep. even when Paul preached to them, the Bereans said, okay, we're going to go back and check Scripture, <laughs> right? Uh, and, and we should be that way. So like, 
so of course Benny Hinn's one of the ministries that has a, a lot of the charismatic uh, types of gifts and so Costi Hinn is his uh, nephew and one of the things that happened when he was dating who is now his wife was he was trying to get her to speak in tongues they went to conferences learn how to speak in tongues that's the other thing these churches have classes yes. classes <laughs> on how to yeah, do that but she took him Costi Hinn to the, the passage in 1 Corinthians 12 where it says do all speak in tongues his, their ministry is all about mm -hmm. those uh, very uh, demonstrative, uh, ecstatic type gifts, and he had never read that. Wow. wow. He goes, wow. And so he took that to, of course, his uncle, and his uncle was like, oh, you don't need to, you know. <laughs> so, so, yeah. So about money. <laughs> yeah, so I think that we, we have to. That's the reason I think discipleship is so yes. important. That's the reason we need to, in our churches, I think ex, uh uh, exegesis and, and expositional preaching is, is vital where we go and we look at the details and we go from scripture to our doctrines, not our doctrines back to scripture. Um, however, sometimes we need to take a step back and understand a bigger picture. Mm -hmm. uh, we need to understand some context like um, when Paul, the Corinth, church in Corinth, they were messing up more than they were getting things right. Paul yeah. spends most of the two letters he wrote to them correcting them. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we need to also keep that in mind that Paul is rebuking them a lot of times. He's correcting them, um, all of this stuff. But, yeah, go and seek out Scripture. There's so many resources. We, we have such an abundance of resources that it's embarrassing that we have so yeah. many Christians that are ignorant of the Word of God. And ignorant not meaning not dumb, just meaning they don't know. I mean, I have on my, my phone, I can access probably thousands, but at least hundreds of translations of the Bible. You know, in different languages and, and all of this, but we don't have an excuse. We, we can't stand before God and say we didn't know yeah. uh, when we, we did. And so I, I just want to echo what both of these guys have said. And that on, on this topic, man, if, if you're part of a church that practices this on a regular basis, one, I'd encourage you to, to get in the Word, make sure you're practicing it biblically. Um, but then also to, to say, which thing are you trusting in more? Do you trust in the exercising of the spiritual gift or do you trust in the spirit that gave the gift do you trust more in uh you know dancing down aisles or or some sort of ecstatic demonstration of uh the spirit or are you in love with god are you in Amen. love yeah. with christ right um does does the holy spirit move your mouth and your body but he hasn't changed your heart mm. you know things like that we've got to really answer some of these questions because we've got in America we have so many churches and America is the godless most godless country in the world uh, and, and so why why well church has become a business the pastor a CEO congregants are customers and we have walked away in a lot of ways from what Christ has called us to do and so revival in the church um, is going to be God's children getting their relationship right with him that's what it was in the Old Testament with the nation Israel, and it's going to be what it is if we're going to make a difference in our nation. So, man, yeah. man, this has been great. Uh, this actually may have been our longest one. We thought it was <laughs> going to be so. our shortest, <laughs> but uh, but I mean, this, this yeah. was really, really interesting and yeah, really yeah. blew the doors off of a lot of things. So, uh, thank y'all for joining us, man. We we love doing this. It, it brings a lot of joy. We talk about an hour before this too. So we love doing this. Uh, check us out on the, the battlefield.co. Uh, follow us across all the social media. 
Until next time, uh, we love you and study your Bible. <laughs> Bye.